and welcome to the Security Ledger podcast. I'm your host, Paul Roberts, Editor-in-Chief at the Security Ledger. In this week's episode of the podcast number 231. And on the demand side, uh, we find that there's around 450 to 500,000 open positions currently. Now wow. that has fluctuated <laughs> a little bit over time and we expect will continue to grow. That's more. a lot of jobs. It is. It is. <laughs> the U.S. is struggling with a multitude of economic challenges these days on top of a pandemic, which is crippling sectors like retail, entertainment and restaurants. Organizations in both the public and private sectors are struggling with what's been termed the great resignation, a nationwide wave of quitting by workers worried about the risk to their health of staying on the job or just fed up with substandard salaries, working conditions or both. But when it comes to information security, a great resignation might be considered a good problem to have. After all, in order to have workers resign, you first have to find them and hire them. And that's been a nearly constant challenge for organizations who need information security talent for the last two decades. Right now in the United States, it's estimated that there are 465,000 unfilled cybersecurity jobs. What's the source of this chronic information security worker shortage? And what can be done about it? To answer those questions, we invited Rodney Peterson into the studio to talk. Rodney is the director of the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education, or NICE, at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. In this conversation, Rodney and I talk about the challenges of developing the U.S. cybersecurity workforce and why simply teaching cybersecurity in public or trade schools might not be the best way to address the current worker shortage. To start off, I asked Rodney to speak about the NICE program and the work that he does there at NIST. Yes, my name is Rodney Peterson. I'm the director of the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education, otherwise known as NICE at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Rodney, welcome to the Security Ledger podcast. Thank you, my pleasure. It's great to have have you on. That's a really great title. Tell, tell us a little bit about what your uh, remit is and what you do there at NIST. Yeah, so, so NICE is a program that's been around for about a dozen years, and our mission is to energize, promote, and coordinate a robust community working together to advance an integrated ecosystem of cybersecurity education, training, and workforce development. So it necessarily puts us into close collaboration with not only government at the federal and state and local level, but also with academia and industry trying to work towards common solutions and practices to address both cybersecurity workforce needs and the emerging talent shortage. So this is a really important topic. First of all, you know, you and I were talking really here in the United States in the middle of a pretty severe workforce shortage that is stretching across industries. In the cybersecurity space, this is not a new problem. We've had a workforce shortage for the better part of two decades, but it doesn't necessarily seem to be better, or I guess it doesn't seem to me to be getting better. But could you just speak a little bit to that, to the um, challenges, workforce and, and staffing challenges that exist within the cybersecurity space, not just within the government where you work, but, but generally in the economy? Yeah, so cybersecurity, of course, has been a challenge for organizations, you know, primarily the past couple decades, and you could argue even longer than that. But as a lot of the emphasis and attention has been kind of reactive on dealing with incidents and responding to problems, 
over time, increasing attention has been given to more proactive measures like how to build security and by design and making sure you're establishing a security program that teaches users how to be safe and secure online. Uh, but the threats and the risks to cyberspace only continue to grow. And consequently, I think the workforce demand and needs continue to grow as well. Talk to us a little bit about kind of what NIST brings to the table. I think most people think of NIST as a um, standards setting organization. Talk about NIST's role specifically in regard to workforce issues. Yeah, that's a great question because as you indicated, our emphasis on standards is probably what NICE is best known for. We have a workforce framework for cybersecurity or the NICE framework that is intended to provide a standardized taxonomy or common lexicon for addressing cybersecurity work. So I think that's one great point of leverage. But secondly, as you indicate, NIST does a lot of work across information technology, now operational technology, control systems, and cybersecurity to kind of address why it's important, as well as kind of what to do. Uh, where NICE kind of comes in is takes it a step further and talks about how to do it, and more importantly, who does it. And that who includes the workforce, as we're indicating. It also can include all users of an organization that impact the risk to the enterprise. So really the NICE framework, and more importantly, the broad work that we do in trying to address education and training is intended to really address that workforce who's going to be the who as well as do the how to make sure that our systems or networks or data are secure. And what types of work are we talking about these days? I think people, you know, historically, when they think about cybersecurity jobs, um, you know, either they think about, you know, you're working within a large cybersecurity information security company, um, either as a consultant or as a product developer, um, or you're on the security team within an enterprise, um, you know, kind of applying patches and managing firewall rules and stuff like that. These days, um, what types of security jobs are there? Is is, beyond, is, is it pretty much a, the standard roster or are there new and different types of security jobs uh, emerging? Yeah, so I will start with the obvious that you just indicated those people who are part of the security team or maybe part of the chief information security officers organization are really tasked with securing data and making sure that there are systems and processes and technologies in place to uh, address not only preventive but reactive measures when security breaches or incidents occur. That is probably the core cybersecurity focus that most people think about. But the NICE framework, for example, thinks of it much more broadly. In fact, those who are designing and developing and discovering solutions and technology, such as a software developer or an engineer or somebody who might be discovering artificial intelligence or automated solutions, they have the ability to influence cybersecurity by building cybersecurity and privacy in by design. And so they're very much part of the workforce that we need to make sure are educated and prepared uh, to address the enterprise cybersecurity. And then, of course, there are people who support that infrastructure, whether they be uh, business leaders, those who do acquisitions and procurement of third-party services or cloud services, maybe lawyers and others who uh, address legal transactions 
transactions or address some of the legal issues in cybersecurity, compliance officers, mm-hmm. a, a variety of people. And, you know, not the least of which is those who do HR and talent management. As we're mm-hmm. talking about the workforce we need, they need to understand that cybersecurity is something that they play a role in with respect to the health of their enterprise. What what are the um, what are the bottom rungs on the ladder? Some of those jobs you outlined sound fairly high level. You know, those are kind of complex responsibilities built on experience, job experience. Like where do where do cybersecurity careers start these days? Yeah, so I, I think it's safe to say there's a variety of both technical and non-technical roles. But just starting with the technical roles. A lot of the entry level or what we call kind of feeder positions into cybersecurity might be, you know, basic IT positions like working at a help desk or doing technology support or desktop support for employees, maybe evolving into system administration or being a network administrator. You know, the ability to kind of develop technology skills equips you to know how to secure that technology, whether it be, you know, again, from a preventive perspective or a reactive perspective. Those are the kind of feeder positions we often think about leading up to more advanced and sophisticated roles like a penetration tester or somebody who's going to be doing Um, some type of intrusion detection or analysis of data to discover where vulnerabilities might be exploited. Um, And and, um, I I know a lot of folks who, particularly on the offensive side or red teaming side, you know, a lot of that talent comes out of the military. People who um, are in the armed services have occasion to um, either do defense against, you know, advanced adversaries or depending on where they are and, you know, the military or the intelligence sector, maybe even doing cyber offense. Um, but those tend to be the most sought after folks in the job market. Are there other opportunities out there just in a private sector short of military service to get and develop those types of skills? Yeah, so I think, you know, a couple kind of soft skills, employability skills we often talk about are problem solving and maybe curiosity, because a lot of cybersecurity is precisely that, being able to be curious about how somebody might break into your system, and then, of course, coming up with a countermeasure to defend that. So so that kind of background could come from a law enforcement perspective, could come from somebody who is is an analyst, you know, either a business analyst or maybe a financial analyst. And we're even finding, you know, with respect to people with disabilities, you know, there are people that are on the spectrum who might um, be able to really analyze and work with data in a way that other people can't. So the ability to take somebody who's autistic, for example, and to put them into a a cybersecurity analyst role is increasingly uh, a common and a creative approach. Interesting. Does this isn't really NIST bailiwick, but do do, we, do you have any sense? Does NIST have any sense how big the gap is here between the um, demand and the supply uh, in terms of cybersecurity talent? Yes, one of the thing NIST funds is a website called CyberSeek, and CyberSeek.org is one of the ways we kind of conduct analytics on the workforce demand as well as the supply. And on the demand side, and again, this leverages our NICE framework as kind of our common way of defining the workforce that we're looking to to understand, uh, we find that there's around 450 to 500,000 open positions currently. Now that has fluctuated (laughs) a little bit over time and we expect will continue to grow. More importantly is the number of people- That's a lot of jobs. It is, it is. (laughs) In in an economy, I mean, 
we have a huge economy. So in some ways it isn't a huge amount of jobs, but man, half a million, almost half a million job openings. Okay. That's sorry. right. And yeah. No. And, and, and the, the corresponding data that we pay attention to is the number of people who are employed in cybersecurity grow simultaneously. So obviously you begin to see a problem as we increasingly fill those positions. If the demand's going up, it only kind of increases our need to develop capacity. And, and that capacity word is key because it's not just in terms of more college graduates or more high school students. It's how do we take, you mentioned transitioning veterans earlier, or maybe people who are in another career that want to be reskilled or upskilled into cybersecurity. It might be you know, populations that are underrepresented, like people of color and women or persons with disabilities. There are really creative ways we need to influence that, the need and the gap that exists. It's interesting. I mean, I'm in the Boston area and I was looking around just and totally for totally unrelated purpose at the program offerings of local vocational technical schools here in Boston. Um, there's a very big one um, in the next town over from where I am, Minuteman Technical. Um, and looking about four or five different voc tech programs, only one of them had a cybersecurity program. Um, the rest, it was more traditional vocational technical stuff, you know, uh, plumbing and heating, uh, electric stuff, hairdressing, stuff like that. Um, not cybersecurity would strike me that, you know, uh, high school seniors, you know, high school kids, that's a, um, that's a potential workforce development opportunity. And yet, um, hasn't translated through to, um, certainly easily accessible programs. I guess there's one in the greater Boston area, but obviously that's, that's not enough. Yeah, and there's no doubt we need to continue to grow cybersecurity programs, whether they be in the high schools or degree programs at the community college and four-year college level. And they have been growing pretty exponentially, quite frankly, as a result of the National Centers of Academic Excellence that the National Security Agency supports. But I would also position that it's a little misleading if you go and look at a website and say, oh, there is no cybersecurity program or there's only one cybersecurity program. Because quite frankly, we don't think that's the way of the future. In fact, cybersecurity needs to be integrated across the curriculum. You know, an example is a career in technical field like robotics or automation. Uh, students are going to be getting credentials, getting a two-year college degree in that area, but they need to learn cybersecurity. It doesn't mean they need a cybersecurity degree. They need a cybersecurity competency. And so we're working through a National Science Foundation grant with a number of community colleges to figure out how we can integrate cybersecurity into what a student and a variety of career and technical education fields need. One more quick example, in fact, we featured this in a nice e-newsletter article, is you know the topic of artificial intelligence is increasingly of interest and it's a growing career area and a technology area. And does that mean that they need a course or a degree in cybersecurity? Well, yes and no. Wouldn't it be even better if cybersecurity was integrated across everything they learned as part of their career or their curriculum in this case? Um, we, we think integrating it as opposed to separating it is probably the way of the future. Really interesting. I agree with that. Do, do we have any statistics or data on how many people we're reaching with this core competency um, and and how successful we've been at weaving it into existing, whether it's um, high school programming um, or, or associate's degrees and things like that? 
Yeah, I, I would say not hard data, but anecdotally, you know, NICE runs a K-12 cybersecurity education conference. We've been doing that for six years now as a way to really emphasize teaching cybersecurity to youth at a younger age. And it may be career awareness at the elementary school level. It may be developing some skills and knowledge at the, the middle school level and it, that it may actually be helping prepare them for career or college at the high school level. And we've seen participation in that. Uh, the competition called Cyber Patriot for middle school and high school, we've seen that kind of grow pretty significantly. The Centers of Academic Excellence that I mentioned earlier that's um, started with universities but now includes community colleges has grown to well over 300 institutions of higher education that are designated in that role. So we've definitely seen over time both the increase in kind of programs and activity and of course, of course the corresponding output of graduates who are entering the workforce. I mean, you mentioned the need to bring new communities in. What is NIST and NICE um, doing on that uh, score to, again, diversify the field and also introduce it to many communities as a really promising uh, career avenue uh, to pursue, you know, whether it's in high school or, or post high school. Yeah, I would say the population that has been given the most attention, of course, is women that we've actually seen some growth in the participation of women in both IT and cybersecurity over the past decade, but it still represents roughly around 25% or less than a quarter of the workforce. So we do continue to promote and encourage you know, mentoring uh, opportunities as well as uh, strategically, you know, recruiting women. But, you know, it's not just a matter of getting them into the field or into degree programs or even into a job in the workplace. It's also a matter of retaining them and keeping them. And a lot of that goes to workplace culture. And, yeah. and it's not unique to cybersecurity. We're seeing it in all fields, all STEM fields, quite frankly, but all fields where women are either being harassed or discriminated or, you know, treated unfairly in the workplace. We have to think comprehensively about that problem. I would say that getting more representation of people of colors is a little slower to catch up, but similarly, there's pretty aggressive approaches to address that. You know, maybe one easy way to start and to do this is through our minority serving institutions, which include historically black colleges and universities, Hispanic serving institutions, tribal colleges and universities. They're both an area where capacity building is needed, but also where a great majority of the people of color are educated from a college and university career standpoint, but it doesn't end there. I mean, it really goes back to some of our HR and recruitment practices and how we began to really tap into networks from diverse organizations and um, relationships that we establish. So President Biden, in his um, he issued a statement for Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and in it, he really called for a whole of whole of government and really whole of country approach to cybersecurity. Do you think we're there yet? I mean, when you look at, you know, NIST's work with, first of all, other parts of the federal government and also, you know, the private sector, um, are, are we are we mustering that whole of country approach to this problem or are we still too, I guess, reactive, siloed, um, isolated in our response? 
I, I think the pieces are in place for that whole a nation approach. I, I think certainly the will is there. I, I think your reference to silo is one of the challenges, right? I mean, whether it's the government or even private sector, there's a lot of bureaucratic um, obstacles and approaches that don't naturally lead to collaboration or working together. But I think the intent and the spirit is there to do that. I, I think examples of ways we've seen that done successfully over the past couple of decades is through um, sectors organizing together to make sure that if you're the healthcare sector, or the IT sector, or the retail sector, that you're working together collaboratively and translating that into these uh, information sharing analysis centers or informa information sharing analysis organizations. And even though that sounds kind of technical and, you know, kind of enterprise driven, you know, fundamentally it leads down to, you know, how are we not only working together as an economy, but how are we trickling this down to our employees and our workforces that ultimately are going to have the greatest impact on the cybersecurity of not only the enterprise or the organization, but of the entire nation? So, I mean, you mentioned the fact that, you know, there are attacks, cyber attacks and threats to critical infrastructure these days. And we're, we're seeing a lot more of that, including, you know, attacks on the agriculture sector and so on. It's really spreading as well as obviously energy and water and other critical infrastructure. What is NIST doing on that score? And how do we, some of these sectors, I'll take agriculture as an example, really are not ones that have paid much attention to information security to date. You know, it just hasn't been a top priority for them. Um, but suddenly it's 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 very relevant. So um, how, do, how do we reach out to some of these sectors where um, they've kind of been islands in some ways unto themselves uh, and are now dealing with some of the problems that, you know, the retail sector, the banking and finance sector were dealing with, you know, 10 or 15 years ago? Yeah, I, I think the work that NIST does and that organizations are increasingly pointing to is thinking of cybersecurity as a risk management challenge and opportunity. You know, most organizations consider natural disasters or even, you know, active shooters or other workplace issues as a risk to their organization, but they don't necessarily think about the impact that a cybersecurity event would have on their bottom line or upon their ability to continuously operate. So if we can first and foremost elevate the focus in cybersecurity on risk, which includes not only threats and bad actors, but the vulnerabilities that exist that those bad actors are going to exploit by beginning to close and mitigate those vulnerabilities will go a long way towards improving the cybersecurity posture of organizations. And once you get beyond that kind of broad risk management approach, then you can start focusing on the programs and the investments that are going to have the greatest impact. And that is kind of the focus I think NIST takes through its risk management framework, through our you know, publications that talk about cybersecurity as an enterprise risk management priority and other ways to really position even the current topics around supply chain cybersecurity as being something that we need to manage from a risk framework. I do think there is an imperative for us to rethink how we do recruitment and hiring, starting with hiring based on competencies and skills and making sure that we're, you know, clearly defining what we need as, as employers and articulating that through position descriptions and job descriptions that do a better job of matching the employer's needs with the job applicants or job seekers that are out there. And secondly, that we really incent both education and training providers, but also others who are helping to develop the talent to really focus on developing those competencies and skills in a way that will not only serve 
you know, Americans in the near term, but for the long term in a career that will re require continuous education and learning because what you learn in high school or college today or in the workplace today is probably not going to still be relevant five years, 10 years from now. So you have to have that ability to continuously learn. That's why the NICE program is so focused on kind of the education and training infrastructure that is needed to align to employer needs. It's interesting. I mean, I've talked to folks who do hiring for InfoSec and some of the complaints you hear often is that the companies themselves will write job descriptions in ways that really don't align to what the job is or that really overstate the requirements, you know, they'll, they'll put, you know, oh, this is an intro level job. We need you to have five years experience or something, you know, just sort of things that just even on the face of them just don't make any sense. Or they'll have a 30 bullet item list of, you know, skills and, and languages and so on that you need when the job itself just doesn't really require any of those things. But we um, so there's clearly like a breakdown happening, you know, maybe between engineering and HR or, you know, the security group and the human resources group or what have you. But that's a tricky problem to solve, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I think it requires a mindset change. Our nice strategic plan, which we're required to do every five years, and we just published this past October, has an objective related to the creation of more entry-level jobs because everybody, as you described, wants that mid-level person with experience, with credentials, and you know that's gonna hit the job running, so to speak. But we can't just base our workforce on mid-level and senior employees. We need to develop that entry-level employer. And that might require a creative approach like an apprenticeship where they learn as they earn, as they say, or it could require you to hire somebody that you're you know, hiring into a position that you're gonna develop them in and promote them into over time, we really need to see an increased commitment to entry-level roles. And that's across the board, the government and the private sector as well. Yeah. There's a, there's a, it's too ninja-centric in some ways. Yeah. Rodney Peterson, Director of National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education, aka NICE. Thank you so much for coming in and speaking to us on the Security Ledger podcast. It was great having you. Thank you. Rodney Peterson is the director of the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education, or NICE, at the National Institute of Standards and Technology, or NIST, part of the U.S. Department of Commerce. He was here to talk to us about cybersecurity workforce development. 